Welcome to the Mirror Football Podcast. I'm Martin Dorman and I'm filling in this week for Aaron Flanagan, who's off on a well-deserved break. But don't worry, we still have an action-packed show for you. We're going to look back at the Champions League, ahead to the Premier League, and there's also a continental flavour to this week's edition of the podcast as we go to La Liga and a really big tie on Sunday night between Barcelona and Valencia. I'm joined this week by Jack Rathborn, my regular pundit friend actually on Seconds Out, our boxing podcast, so you want to give that a try, and Conor Mumry, who returns despite Tottenham's devastating defeat in the North London derby last weekend. Thanks Welcome, that. gentlemen. Thanks for having me. So, we're quickly going to look back at the Champions League, another couple of nights of you know plenty of goals, plenty of action, and, and largely, well, almost a good week for... Well, actually, I tell a lie. It wasn't a great week at all for English clubs. Two English clubs did did well. Liverpool, we'll come to them in a minute. And, of course, Manchester United on Wednesday night going down against Basel. Let's start, actually, with Liverpool because I do want... I've got a bit of a bee in my bonnet about them. Their defensive problems are no... It's nothing new this season. They've been awful. You cannot be 3-0 up against anyone, arguably. 3-0 up, sorry, at half-time in Europe at the top tier and not win that game. Am I wrong? No, absolutely not. And it's, uh, it's not the first time they've done this before. Obviously, you look back to uh, Brendan Rodgers' ill-fated Premier League title chase, uh, 3-0 away at Crystal Palace, Dwight Gale. Of course. Uh, the rest is history. Um, but yeah, this was absolutely calamitous. They were flying. We've, they've never had a problem with their attack. Obviously, for me, no, Salah and Mane looked absolutely fantastic. Uh, but, you know, the defence again. That's right. Of course, mm-hmm. at the start of the season, there was this... Really excitement about the front line, you know, rightly so. So Mane, Salah, Coutinho when he came back, and Firmino, that's fine. But unfortunately, especially at the top level, it's not good enough just to have players that can score goals, Jack. Yeah, especially when you you take a lead as they did three 0 up. It's uh, indefensible to to not go on and win that game. But I think those that didn't watch the game in its entirety maybe think it's a little bit misleading that it was perfect up until the the 3-0 but actually they conceded plenty of chances at 1-0 up Uh, Ben Yedder and uh, Nolito really should have um, equalised at that point but it's uh, it's, it's a real concern for Klopp and um, the longer this goes on the more it becomes about him rather than recruitment Uh, can he can he coach a team into um, being more organised or if he's incapable mm. is he the right man for Liverpool in the, the mid to long term because at some point this is going to come back to haunt them again and again and um, perhaps the, the upside of this attacking flair and talent is not going to be worthwhile You're right to, talk to, to mention Klopp there and maybe I'm wrong but it feels like he gets more time than other managers might do simply because He's been this sort of lovable rogue, if you like. You know, and don't get me wrong, he can be entertaining. But do you think, Connor, he is sort of given a bit more rope because he is this sort of character, rather than someone who is maybe a bit more sour? Or you know, I mean, I'm sure Tony Pulis will never mind Liverpool, but let's say a character like his, if he was in charge, people wouldn't give him so much time, would they? Well, no. It, uh, it brings to the debate again as whether football is a results-based game or an entertainment-based mm. game. Uh, Liverpool have been absolutely fantastic to watch. Um, but you know, with the likes of Jordan Henderson, I mean, that was one of his strangest decisions. Chose to stick, to stick with him as captain. We talked about the defence against Fear, but Jordan Henderson was arguably the worst player on the pitch. Uh, there were a lot mm-hmm. of fans talking about. There was a tweet that went viral after the game about his stats uh, for the game. I think it was a 55% pass rate, zero tackles made. Uh, because he's a captain, can you really drop him? I think. Well, I think you absolutely have to be able to drop him. That's, isn't that why? 
Klopp and every other manager's paid the money they are. They've got to take those big decisions. And yes, okay, by doing so, he's admitting he's made mistakes. But it's either that or at some point, he'll have to pay with his job. You imagine you can't can't be doing that. Yeah, I don't think Klopp quite has that. Um that pivot for his side that he, that he would like. Um, I'm not saying they have to be an absolute destroyer in there, but I think um, Cater when he comes in next next year will, will be a huge upgrade on any part of that midfield three that yeah. he decides to replace. Emre Chan might come in this weekend. I think that's that's a logical move if he does decide to to yank uh, Henderson from the starting lineup. And um, but it's. In the short term, obviously, it makes sense as you, as Connor's talked about his um, his impact both statistically and with the eye test. Um, but in the long term, does he lose this player if he destroys his confidence? And um, it's got to be carefully managed, especially for such a big game against Chelsea. Um, it's really going to knock his confidence if, if he's not involved. Um, but yeah, it just just feels like the makeup of the personnel in that that mid- midfield three is um, more geared to to help support this irresistible front three but in reality they they can create enough on their own from standing still with the pace of Mane and not to 100 and whatever but yeah it just does feel like he needs to tweak that system slightly to to give the defence a little bit more cover yeah well we're going to come back to Liverpool's clash with Chelsea on Saturday night in a moment let's just run through the other English teams who were in action that's Manchester United until Wednesday night you know straightforward had won their four games, lost to Basel. It almost doesn't feel like a huge surprise, to me anyway. You know, Jose Mourinho, his teams will do that sometimes. They'll just suddenly lose a game. It doesn't. I don't think it's a particular reflection on their ability or whatever, but they sometimes just have these bad results. They do, and I mean, looking at it from the outside, it could have looked like it was one of those Mourinho performances away from home where they just sort of sat back, absorbed pressure, but they didn't. I mean, Mourinho said after the game they could have been 5 up at half-time. That's not really much of an exaggeration. They were very good. They created a lot of chances in the first half. But people seem to sort of take it for granted that they would go on and win at half-time, and you can't really do that at this level. <laughs> and Jack, Roy Keane still, you know, Roy Keane, who is never afraid to, to criticise anyone, has still said they can still win it. Mm-hmm. Is that fair, or do they, are they sort of just a bit short? Well, if we, if we look at Mourinho's track record and his ability to manage and strategize, um knockout games then he cert- they certainly can they've got match winners uh, Pogba Ibrahimovic Lukaku but the thing that s- sticks for me is whether you get that balance because the missing piece was Pogba over the last few weeks when he was injured but certainly without without him pulling the strings it seems like there's a there's a lack of continuity between those those strikers and the way they build up play and I think that that will let them down in in that, those big games when sides such as Atletico, who were very um, organised over the last few years. Obviously, they're unlikely to make it to the knockouts this stage, but those sort of sides in the last 16 onwards are going to sort of blunt United and it's going to need to be more intricate in the build-up. And They do create chances when Pog was in the side, but I, I worry that they're over-reliant on him and those big strikers and difference-makers might be isolated a touch. We've obviously seen... Zlatan Ibrahimovic come back now and it's sort of raised the age-old question about whether two players can play together in this case him and Lukaku Connor, where do you stand on the issue generally you know obviously England went through it with Gerrard and Lampard for years and years should two good players two very good players always be able to play together regardless of, of their attributes uh, I don't really think so when it when it comes to a strike partnership you can't really have two strikers who, who 
do the same thing really I mean you look at successful strike partnerships down the, down the years in the Premier League they may not be the best two strikers but you look at Crouch and Defoe they're, one, they're doing completely different jobs there's one holding it up knocking it down mm. one running with the ball running into channels uh, I mean the first thing that Ibrahimovic said to Lukaku when he came in against Newcastle was go and play on the right wing and Lukaku did yeah. and that's not where you can be having a £70 million player no definitely not obviously Ibrahimovic's return is great for everyone very entertaining also another English side Chelsea made straightforward progress against Carabag. they're now top of the group and no reason why they won't mm-hmm. stay there again we'll talk about them shortly when it comes to the Premier League Tottenham Connor we mentioned earlier disappointing result against Arsenal at the weekend of course but you know in Europe no such problems beating Borussia Dortmund plain sailing really yeah still still, uh, still undefeated now top of the group with the game to spare so we're looking to play a few kids in the uh, the last game at home to Apoel I think uh, but it was a really solid away performance from Spurs I mean the first half they weren't great they conceded a couple of big chances Aubameyang missed the first one before scoring the opener but second half, they just took control of the game. I mean, you wonder if Dortmund saw the Real Madrid Applewell score at, at half time because they needed, obviously, Applewell to get something from the game and they didn't. Uh, their heads looked to have dropped a bit, but it was a really professional performance from Spurs in the second half. And elsewhere in Europe, Barcelona made progress to the last 16. Juventus held them to a draw at Inchurin, but you'd imagine that the Serie A side will, will get through in the end. But we want to talk about Paris Saint-Germain for a moment. They went behind against Celtic, surprisingly mm-hmm. enough, but responded in the way all good teams should and eventually ran out 7-1 winners. The front line, formidable, Neymar, Mbappé, Cavani. Jack Hardley, should we be talking about them with Barcelona as, as potential winners? Yeah, I mean, uh, at the moment, they're the, the bookies' favourite, 7-2, to I believe. And I think it's it's worthy because you think that that front three is going to give them head starts on more or less every other side in in Europe. Certainly, that's the way it looks like. Uh, Real Madrid have the firepower, but but at the moment they're on form. You talk about in La Liga, Benzema and Ronaldo really struggling um, in the Champions League. A different story, but they've got to get that consistency. PSG just sensational front three. Twenty four goals over the the five games so far. I mean that, that's a that's a Champions League record, um, very impressive indeed, including the 3-0 against Bayern Munich, so they've not just been flat-track bullies. Mm. Um, I think um, it's, it's a little bit of a transition this season from the the, the more traditional names, Barcelona, Real Madrid. Um, we've seen City now certainly um, recognise that, that, <laughs> that frontier. Tottenham could be there as well. I mean, certainly proven it over Real Madrid over two games. I think um, PSG are rightly favourites, um, for me, because they've they've got not just that front three that draw the headlines, but they've got they've got a midfield and they've got a defence. Uh, Marquinhos, I'm a massive fan of. And I think it, they're going to take a lot of stopping. Definitely, and, and of course, PSG dominant in France over the last few years. The whole point of this project was to win the Champions League. Connor, presumably, you share Jack's views. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think I do think they'd be able to do Barcelona again this year. Obviously, Neymar was instrumental in their big comeback mm. uh, last season. Uh, the six-one, uh, but I do think that if they if they're going to be stopped, I think it's going to be Manchester City. I think they've looked the best team in Europe this season. I mean, everyone was talking up Napoli. Uh, Man City went there and scored four yeah. goals. Uh, they do look absolutely fantastic. But I mean, if they do come up against them, the likes of Neymar and Mbappe will be the biggest test of City's defence so far this season, which apparently has been sorted out. Well, we shall see. On a personal view, of course, Spurs guaranteed to finish top of, the, of their group. The draws to come mid December. As a fan, who do you look for? Do you look for, okay, we finished top, so we're going to get a second place team. We want the, you know, 
easy is, a, is the wrong word to use, but a more comfortable tie? Or do you want one of the better teams just for another European night at Wembley? Uh, I think that was a huge debate last season when Spurs supposedly were drawn an easy group. I think we had Bayer Leverkusen, uh, Monaco and Sesco Moscow. Obviously didn't qualify. This season we had the likes of Borussia Dortmund and Real Madrid. People were saying, we don't really know if Spurs are going to qualify now. Uh, had that unforgettable night at Wembley against Real Madrid, another one against Dortmund. Finished top, but I think if they're going to progress, I think Spurs won a slightly easier tie in the last 16. I think they could get the likes of Besiktas, uh, Porto. I think they'd take one of those over the likes of Juventus or Bayern. Very sensible indeed there, Connor. Well, that's the Champions League for another week. Now time to talk about the Premier League, and there is only one place to start this weekend. That's at Anfield, the evening kickoff on Saturday, where Liverpool welcome Chelsea. The top four, I think, will be a debate that will rumble on, and probably until the rest of the season, it looks like it'll be six into four, as it so often is. Liverpool, two points behind Tottenham in fifth, Chelsea in third, three points behind, uh, above, sorry, Liverpool. So, you know, the two can't swap places unless Liverpool go absolutely crazy. Is this a must-win game for both sides, for Liverpool, Jack? Uh, it depends how you see the pace that Man City have set off this season. If you believe that they they won't uh, let up, then I believe it's not a must-win for Chelsea because I think over the last few weeks um, they've consolidated that, that spot in and around the top four. And Unless Guardiola's side drop off or they get big injuries in the next few weeks, um, I think that no matter what Chelsea or potentially Liverpool do, that they won't be able to catch them. And I think they would certainly take a point this weekend despite their form. That said, um, it's, it's looking really good since uh, Roma handed them a lesson. They've um, obviously taken the big big winner against Manchester United and then a couple of 4-0 wins at West Brom and Carabag. Limited opposition, obviously, but you can just see the confidence oozing from the likes of Eden Hazard. Uh, William now, uh, a squad player, if you will, moving into this season, is now shown, shown Conte what he can do. So there's options there. Um, Alvaro Morata, uncharacteristically a little... A little sluggish, a little uh, complacent against Carabag. You wouldn't expect him to be quite so much this weekend. Um, certainly, the way he's performed all season suggests that he can he can be a difference maker in the way that Chelsea build up and move it to the channels and link play, which is something that Diego Costa never quite um, mastered, despite his um, effectiveness. So, I think uh, draw wouldn't be the end of the world, but the way that they're moving and uh, the confidence in their play. They, they can certainly uh, relish the opportunity to play on the on the counter attack, um, given Liverpool's inherent um, belief that they must control and take games mm-hmm. to uh, the opposition. I hope you won't mind me unmasking you as a Chelsea fan. Mm-hmm. How worried were you? You mentioned the Roma result there. There was a sticky patch. Were you worried? Do you think Conte maybe run out of ideas, or was it just like every team goes through at some point in the season, just a bit of a sticky patch? Well, I think it. You, you, you have to be worried whenever your your side gets completely taken off the park. I mean, that game was slightly deceiving. Chelsea did have chances, but Roma were ruthless in that game. You have to be worried, but then you look at Conte's record at, at Chelsea and remember the the humbling at the hands of Arsenal. It triggered the 13-game win streak and inevitably the, the title that came with it. So you always have to look at how managers handle themselves under pressure rather than when they're plain sailing. I think that's something we need to bear in mind with Guardiola, certainly. And Conte in the past has 
shown a, a patience, a calmness and making decisions. He's not afraid to drop players. And I think the Man United game certainly was the, the game changer for the season. To drop David Luiz, to bring Andres Christensen in. Man United win that game. Maybe he doesn't get sacked that day, but I think the writing would be on the, on the wall. The fact that they won the game and Christensen is outstanding... I mean, coming to this weekend, I wouldn't bet on David Luiz keeping his spot this weekend, mm. and that's all down to to Conte and the clout that he's got through mm. his decisions coming off. And of course, continues to be linked with the the Italy job, but that mm-hmm. seems far fetched, unless of course Chelsea were to sort of go off a cliff in terms of form. Conor, we made the mistake earlier in the season of looking forward to Liverpool against Manchester United too much, and we're left disappointed on that occasion should we be should we temper our expectations this weekend or are you thinking it's going to be one of those classics uh, no because Jose Mourinho is not in charge of <laughs> so I, I do think it'll be a much much more open uh, and entertaining game than, than the uh, than the draw at Anfield um, Jurgen Klopp's got a very good record against Chelsea he hasn't lost to them uh, in the Premier League the last time uh, Liverpool lost to Chelsea in the Premier League November 2014 do you know who the goal scorers were Jack? You're going to tell me, aren't you? Uh, it's Gary Cahill and Diego Costa. Yeah, yeah. Picture of you there. But no, <laughs> um, but I, I do think I, I do expect to see a good game. I, I, Liverpool always turn up in the big games. I mean, start of 2014-15 season, Liverpool have got the best head-to-head record against any of the top six. Chelsea not so much in their fourth or fifth. Um, I expect Liverpool to step up for this game and uh, get a result. We can. You said you're, you're expecting excitement, and again. That may well be the case, but of course, as we touched on earlier, Liverpool's defence will always cause problems. Is the Chelsea attack finally tuned enough now to take advantage? Well, as I mentioned about Morata on uh, on Wednesday, it was he he was not not himself. He was he's been absolutely outstanding in the air, and that that threat could could really help uh, against Liverpool. You you saw the way that the likes of Moreno were getting beaten in the air all day long and um, certainly the equaliser that came in um, the Ramon Sanchez-Pizuan um, Liverpool were sort of defending on that that six yard box line and um, it, it was a shambles really so you, you talk about someone with clever movement like that Chelsea have big big players um, at the back that can be a threat in the air so look, look towards set pieces maybe being a defining aspect of this game I think the way N'Golo Kante and Bakayoko can take Chelsea from defence to attack and transitions will also be a, a big factor because as Connor said Liverpool will look to take the game to Chelsea and I think if they get caught slightly sloppy in the game I think like we, we talked about Henderson if he is not if he's picked or if his replacement are not quite on it in terms of um, being efficient in possession then there's going to be gaps that will open up for Chelsea and uh, I think there's there's room there to expose Chelsea, but I do believe that it's going to be one of those where whoever's more ruthless in front of goal is probably going to, we're going to take this one. Yeah. We're certainly looking forward to that. The other teams in the top six, Manchester United home to Brighton and Tottenham home to West Brom, both 3pm kickoffs on Saturday. West Brom, of course, now managerless. Gary Megson back in the dugout, something we maybe thought we wouldn't see again. On paper, straightforward games for both sides, Connor. Uh, on paper, but also at Wembley. Um, I mean, Spurs, you know, the fans like to say that the hoodoo has been crushed. And to an extent it has, obviously, with the games against Real Madrid and Borussia Dortmund, but it's not hard to raise your game against against mm-hmm. the likes of those. Uh, the Crystal Palace game last weekend at Wembley, Spurs obviously run out on no winners. wasn't a great game by any means. Uh, I think they were quite, quite lucky to win it. 
quite lucky not to concede with Wilfred Zaha missing an open goal. Um, Spurs don't seem to be great at breaking teams down that can come to Wembley and sit back. Obviously, uh, the Burnley draw uh, being the memorable one, Chris Wood. Um, but I, I do expect them to have a bit too much for managerless West Brom unless there is a, the dreaded Megson bounce. <laughs> that mm-hmm. well-known bounce. Yeah. And Brighton have picked up, mm-hmm. Jack, a disappointing start to the season, but really you know, improved as Chris Hutton sort of gets used mm-hmm. to, to the Premier League again. Going to pose Manchester. He's well, talked about this season. This sorry, the other day about. Oh no, it's Old Trafford, isn't it? Yeah, that's uh, family. It wasn't. No, I was about to say yeah, they're too nice at home and that away. So. Oh, okay. um, um, and good away from home. That's fine. Okay. Brighton. That well-known Gary Megson bounce, of course. And Jack Brighton made a you know had a difficult start to the season, but have picked up as Chris Hutton sort of gets to grips with the Premier League. Once again, going to Old Trafford, of course, it doesn't take me to say that that's difficult. But can they mm-hmm. give Manchester United any problems? I think they certainly can. They've um, they've shown they're a pretty resilient side this, this season. Um, not won enough games, um, drawing a few too many, and arguably should be out of sight. You talk about the dropped points against Bournemouth, um, the, the points, the last minute penalty for Everton. Uh, that could prove costly in a in a relegation battle, and at the last weekend uh, or on Monday night in Stoke, that was a really entertaining game. And it looks like they're starting to get their their goal scoring touch back. Um, Glenn Murray obviously is not the most mobile of strikers, but in and around him, he has some some real talent. I think Izquierdo um, could be a could be one of the um, best newcomers of the Premier League this season. So, I'm looking forward to seeing how he works. The way uh, Newcastle attacked a little bit down the the right side could be somewhere that they can expose United. And um, I think obviously you've got Dunk at the back, um, one of the and Duffy. I think they're one of the better partnerships in the mm. in the Premier League. Underrated, I would say. So I think it's going to be tough, even um, a side which can be organised and defend uh, in deep areas will struggle obviously um, the amount of time that Pogba will get on the ball in the, the middle portions of the pitch um, with, with time and space he will eventually pick them open so I think Brighton do need an outlet and it's just whether whether they can maintain those spells and get those breathers to, to stop United from just hammering the door down but yeah I think there's there's a scenario where they could, could frustrate Mourinho's men. Mm-hmm. The final game on Sunday sees Manchester City travel to Huddersfield, which a few weeks ago may have seemed more daunting than it is now. Huddersfield came off the back of a 4-0 defeat by Bournemouth, did beat West Brom before that, but largely in a sticky patch of their own at the moment. But the middle game on Sunday will tell us a lot, I think, about Arsenal. I'm sure they're still basking in the glory of the North London derby, but going to Burnley it just seems to be the classic game, Connor, where they'll slip up again. Uh, it does. I mean, Turf Moor's not quite the fortress it was last season because it hasn't has to, uh, hasn't have to be because mm-hmm. Burnley's away form has picked up hugely this season. Um, Arsenal will be obviously coming off a high after that win over Tottenham. It's really you know really big day for them. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, as a Tottenham fan, I remember when you know we were you know finishing below them in the Premier League. You know, we look forward to that day or season. And you know, if we if we won that game, you know, it would make our season. Nothing else mattered. The tables have turned now, you know, Spurs, you know, Champions League quarterfinal, uh, Champions League last 16 to think about. Um, but as I say, you know, that it is the sort of place that Arsenal will go and slip up after a huge result. But to be honest, I, I think they're going to have a bit too much for Burnley. Ozil and Sanchez looked absolutely brilliant against against Tottenham, uh, and as they did a few weeks back at Everton. 
uh, when they absolutely run out at Goodison Park. But um, yeah, I can't see Burnley frustrating them for too long this game, to be honest. Of course, Burnley under Sean Dice, who the links between with him and Everton seem to have gone cold. Everton still without a manager since Ronald Koeman left. We shouldn't forget, Jack, that Burnley are indeed seventh, level on points with Arsenal, mm-hmm. simply behind on goal difference. Let's not pretend, I don't think anyone expects them to be challenging for European places come the end of the season, but always important just to, without being patronising, just to give them the credit they deserve. Yeah, I, th- I think they've been smart in terms of their resources. Obviously, when you enter the Premier League, you, you have more money to spend, and I think it's easy to sort of be... Um, Starstruck by the potential to sign international players of from various like glamorous leagues, but actually Sean Dyche has worked within his means. His scouts have gone out and they they bought some they bought really smartly, I think. And I think they remember they've lost uh, Michael Keane and um, Andre Graham this summer, so this is not even a project which is gradually built up over the years. He's had mm-hmm. two key parts ripped from him, yet still producing results and. I've been thoroughly impressed by by Burnley this season. I think I think they're going to be in the game with with Arsenal, but I, I would say it's just whether when they when that fatigue sets in around the hour mark and in the second half potentially that's when Arsenal will strike. Um, but yeah, it's going to be a that's the sort of clash of styles that make the Premier League so fascinating. So that's one game this this weekend. I'm really looking forward to definitely. Well, that's all from the Premier League for this week. We're going to turn our attentions to La Liga now and the title race in Spain. Barcelona, of course, leading the way, as many would have expected, but Valencia are in second place, and the two meet in Valencia on Sunday evening, and I'm delighted to be joined by our Spanish correspondent, Rick Sharma, all the way from the Catalan capital. Rick, as I just mentioned, Barcelona, no surprise, but how surprising is it that Valencia are giving them a run for their money? Huge surprise. I mean, for anyone who's seen Valencia in the last few years... Um, under under Gary Neville, under Paco Estoran, uh, even under Nuno Espirito Santo in his in his final final months of the club, um, this is almost unimaginable. Um, Valencia have have been for the last few years practically terrible. I mean, on a couple of occasions they even came close to, to relegation. Um, so for for them to be challenging for the title is incredible. And the new coach Marcelino, Marcelino Garcia Toral came in this summer and he's just absolutely turned it around. I mean, he's he's inspired the club and they haven't made too many new signings there's been a few um, a few important players um, but a lot of the, the, the squad is the same squad that the other coaches have had he's just managed to, to get them playing we don't have to go back too far to remember when Valencia were actually one of the stronger teams in Europe and not just in La Liga of course under Rafa Benitez but let's assume you know, I think fairly that they might not maintain this title challenge all the way until May. But if they were to finish in the top four and reach the Champions League, would they consider that a successful season? Absolutely, yeah. It'd be it'd be a little bit disappointing for them um, because right now everyone is so excited about about the idea that they challenge. The way they've been playing has has been has been brilliant, and there's a little there's an air about them similar to the air that was about Atletico Madrid in 2014 when they won the league. It's not they're not playing in the same way, of course. Valencia playing really like exciting attacking football, and Atletico um, they were their games were based on an incredibly tight defence. Um, but the spirit and the confidence that both teams have is 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 remarkably similar. Um, obviously. Over a long season, and Valencia's squad isn't isn't a very deep squad. So, I mean, whether they can sustain this push is 
it depends a bit on luck if they don't get too many injuries. Um, and at the end of the day, if they do come fourth, say, that would still be a very successful season and, and the fans would be delighted to be back in the Champions League. Absolutely. Well, it would, of course, be good to see a different name at least challenging for the title. You know, we all love the, the battles between Barcelona and Real Madrid, of course, but it's always nice to have that third third party who, of course, as you say, have been Atletico Madrid for the last few seasons. But turning back to Barcelona, of course, they've now secured their place, as expected, in the last 16 of the Champions League. And in doing so, actually rested Lionel Messi against Juventus the other night. It's always strange to see him on the bench, but understandably so. In, the, in this occasion, it shows how seriously Barcelona are taking Valencia's threat on Sunday. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. I mean, went to Barcelona-Leganes um, last weekend and Messi played, started in that game and it was probably his worst performance of the season so far. And Messi has been playing at 100 miles an hour. He's scored 12 goals already this season, top scorer in La Liga. Um, with, with Neymar gone, I think Messi, I mean, he, I mean, he, he always plays brilliantly pretty much but with Neymar gone he basically realised it's on me to kind of make things happen in this attack now when Neymar was there Neymar did Neymar was almost underrated for, for his contribution to, to the attacking play in terms of dribbles and how he would take players on and he would be the one that defenders would target leaving Messi kind of much freer than he'd ever been in the previous few years um, so I think Messi, Messi has been getting a bit tired lately um, and I think it probably wasn't a bad idea to leave him on the bench for for almost an hour against Juventus, um, who are quite a, an aggressive physical team. Um, so yeah, so Messi's going to be fresh and fish in theory for, for fresh and fit in theory for uh, Sunday. Well, it's certainly a game that we're looking forward to over here. I can't leave Barcelona without talking about a certain Philippe Coutinho, of course, still at Liverpool for the time being, but plenty of reports every day almost saying that they. Barcelona will come back in in January or they'll wait till summer there's also talk of Mesut Ozil do you think Philippe Coutinho A will go to Barcelona at some point and B is he actually needed I think Barcelona do I'm going to answer B first I think Barcelona do need uh, do need a player like Coutinho because I mean Andres Iniesta has I mean he's not exactly the same player but he's a similar player and he's still playing well but it's it's pretty evident he can't he can't play week in week out. He just doesn't have the, the legs for it anymore. Barcelona do need someone in the field to help them keep the ball and create chances to, to set free the the attackers, especially Luis Suarez, who who has had a very poor season, and I think he needs some basically some assistance from from midfield to help him. Um, whether Coutinho will go to Barcelona, I mean Coutinho himself absolutely wants to go. Barcelona would love to have him. It's a question of money. I don't think Barcelona will pay Liverpool's Liverpool's asking price. They won't go over. They won't go over 115, 120 million euros for Coutinho. And if Coutinho kicks up enough of a fuss, maybe eventually Liverpool will say, "You know what? We'll sell you." But until then, I think he'll stay a Liverpool player. Well, a transfer saga that we will surely be keep abreast of over the next few months. And just finally, before you go, the other big team. In uh, in Spain, Real Madrid, lot, you know, completely opposite to, to Barcelona, lots of disharmony. It would seem in the dressing room, news stories about Ronaldo coming out almost daily about his future, whether he will leave the club. Can you just give us a general idea of of maybe what's actually going on, whether we should take these reports with a pinch of salt? 
I think a pinch of salt is, is, is a good idea. Um, at, the, at the end of the day, Madrid players are not happy. There, there is some discomfort between Ronaldo and, and other squad members. Um, fundamentally because he's been the man every year that scores the goals. And this season, uh, with the Champions League excluded, just thinking about La Liga, he's simply not scoring the goals. Neither is Karim Benzema. Gareth Bale is injured, um, obviously. And w- without Ronaldo... Uh, Playing how he's how he's been, Madrid look a bit impotent. In fact, I mean they're ten points off Barcelona, um, and a lot of that comes down to Ronaldo not scoring the goals. And it's natural that in a squad which is playing below expectations, which isn't doing as well as they would like, I mean they they'll finish second, obviously, in the Champions League group as well, which is also something that they're not you know accustomed to doing too. Um, the, the squad is unhappy, and naturally there will be sort of arguments, and there'll be disagreements at the end of the day once Madrid start winning again I feel like all of that will just disappear yeah no that sounds that sounds a bit right well it was a pleasure to have you on the podcast this week Rick and thank you for joining us and enjoy the games this weekend in particular as we mentioned Valencia against Barcelona well that's all we've got time for this week thank you for joining myself Jack Rathborn Conor Mummery and of course Rick Sharma in Barcelona please rate review Subscribe to the podcast via iTunes, Spotify and all other reputable podcast apps. You can follow all the latest news at Mirror Football on Twitter and on Facebook and of course the website. Aaron Flanagan will be back next week with a regular show. Ook bewust bezig zijn met je mobiel? Dat kan al voor 11 euro per maand met mijn sim only. Nu met 100 minuten of sms'jes en 2500 MB 4G internet. Kijk op ben.nl